Okay, here we go. This is my day 13 on the Camino. Uh, for BK Lee, who I'm following, it is, we're still on his day three. And uh, Sunday at lunchtime. Just move the mic here. And yeah, I've been a bit, uh, I've been a bit remiss. Let's get my speed up a bit here. Just uh, found it hard to get around to doing it. Kills the breeze. And uh, that's okay. I'm back again. I'm still going to do it within the year, hopefully sooner. Uh, if I got a bit of publicity, maybe I'd, uh, that would get me going. A lot to talk about today. Uh, I normally don't have, um, I normally haven't figured out the title of what I'm going to talk about, but today's episode is called We Need to Talk About Anthony. Uh, I don't do surnames here, in case I, uh, in case I libel anyone, but my friend, uh, shall we say friend slash acquaintance, it's, it's in the balance at the moment. Anthony, from Ireland, lives in New York, Brooklyn, I won't give any more details. Uh, happened to listen to the first episode of my podcast. He was one of my many thousands of listeners. And uh, he was dismayed that when I referred to New York, to visiting New York and my friends over there, I referred to my friends Aaron, Dennis, and other people. So Anthony was shocked and, uh, as I said, severely upset. Tears may have been shed because he was relegated to the position of and other people. Apologies, Anthony. I didn't make matters any better when I explained to him that I only know three people in New York, really. That's Dennis, who's in Brooklyn as well, Coney Island. Aaron, who's upstate Hudson Valley area. And uh, Anthony. So of all the people I know in New York, uh, Anthony is the only one I didn't mention. Somehow, he did not find that reassuring. I'm not even sure if we're on talking terms now. Uh, hopefully, I have a feeling I may have mentioned him somewhere in the podcast, but I can't guarantee that, it's, that it was positive. By the way, it's a nice day in Spain. I'm just having a look at the video here. BK walking from La Rosuana to Pamplona. A long and narrow path, quite narrow, with shrubbery hanging over on both sides, in some cases forming a kind of arch. Bit of shadow here, a bit of light, a bit of flare, like you'd see on uh, Easy Rider, the camera work by La Laszlo Kovacs. Hope I pronounced that right. Have to try and get in the odd cultural reference every so often. We can hear the click of BK sticks and his breath occasionally as he walks along. There's somebody 
in front of him. Maybe just one person. I think, judging by the pace, he'll likely take pole position before we're finished. Why don't I just get up to 4.2 kilometers an hour to give BK a bit of help? So, back to Anthony. I tried to explain to him that I was, um, you know, when I was referring to New York, just let me move the mic again. Apologies. When I was referring to New York, I was um, trying to sound like, you know, jet setter, debonair jet setter. And uh, if I let loose the fact that I only had three friends there, or maybe two friends slash one acquaintance, it just would not suit that image. Um, I'd like people to think of me hanging out with, I don't know, Serena Williams. Does she live there? Probably some of the time. And uh, <laughs> can't think of anyone else at the moment. Uh, Serena Williams. God, I was going to say Larry King. A, he's passed away, God rest his soul. And B, he lived on the other coast. <sighs> I think Serena Williams lives on the other coast. I know she's from Compton originally, isn't she? And uh, anyway, who else would I hang out with in New York? Um, God. Craig Ferguson. Of course, he's based in LA too, isn't he? Or is he now in New York? Oh. I'll come back to you on that. I'm hitting a blank. I dare say there's a few people in New York with whom I'd like to hang out. Or certainly I'd like you, my legion of listeners, to think I would hang out with these people. Um, <laughs> hitting a total blank. Better get back to Anthony. So. Anthony, who got very upset that he wasn't mentioned. So I'm mentioning you now, Anthony. And uh, just occurred to me I might have difficulty getting a whole hour out of Anthony. I'll try and remember some anecdotes from back when we were friends. Uh, so, anyway, recent conversation I had with Anthony, I discovered that he, like me, likes nice watches. I don't mean that he spends a fortune on them, but he spends more than your average person for on, on mechanical watches. And uh, when I said to him recently, hola, buen camino, and I said, oh, have you got a mechanical watch? He replied, but of course. And I said to him, I'm pretty sure you're my only friend who would reply, but of course, to that question. And I said to him, yeah, I mean, as regards the difference between mechanical and quartz watches, why would you want a watch that costs a lot less, i.e. a quartz watch, and tells almost perfect time? And he goes, finally, someone who understands. So 
That's one of the things we agree on anyway. My acquaintance, Anthony, who I may or may not, with whom I may or not, may or may not meet next time. I'm taking my private jet to uh, New York. I'll try and start you in, Anthony, but you know, you know how busy it gets with two other people to juggle. Just take some water here. Two other people and Serena Williams to juggle. I would like to meet Serena Williams. She's um, pretty damn impressive athlete. Wow, who would have thought she would go that long? Is it a record? It's up there. Um, it's pretty amazing. I know uh, Ms. Osaka is in the ascendant now. I don't know a lot about tennis, but in recent times, I've seen a little bit more female tennis than male tennis, men's, women's tennis than men's tennis. <coughs> and uh, I did see, I think it was just the last set of last year's US Open where Osaka beat Serena Williams. I know there was controversy over, was it the year before when they met and Serena's reaction, but I do think Serena had a point in saying that, you know, when men do it, react in that way, they get away with it a bit more than women. Michelle McEnroe, God, you know, was always at that carry on. I think these kind of people that were getting, sports people who are so focused and driven, um, can, you know, be, um, yeah, just quite argumentative, I was going to say. You know, I don't know the whole story. I didn't see that much. And uh, she complimented Osaka, anyway, on her victory. But in the last one, so it was during, it's the first, I'm not a massive sports head. I do think tennis, don't worry, Anthony, I'll get back to you. Relax. Uh, I have to spread it out, Anthony, with other stuff, or... I mean, this is how desperate I am to spread it out. I'm talking about sports. So, anywho. Um, the last US Open was the first sports event I think I watched without an audience. I think they had the piped-in sound of an audience, if I remember correctly, which is the normal thing to do. But um, it's not quite the same, especially in tennis. Like, you know those bits where someone's got like three break points or match points and they're serving, and you just always hear the um, crowd, come on, Serena, you hear individual voices. And uh, I don't know how the athletes switch off from that, but then again, they're professionals, right? So you miss that. You're just not going to get that with the new system. But I did that. I used to watch tennis a lot when I was a kid. Now, I'm old enough that when I watched tennis, it uh, uh, this was in the days before the power serve. And it was quite, they had smaller rackets and they had longer rallies. There weren't as many aces. I'm not even sure, did they call them aces back then? 
Maybe they did, but the whole, I think it was Becker started the whole power serve, correct me if I'm wrong. Changed the game a lot. And I mean, the whole thing now about breaking the set, breaking, sorry, break point, breaking someone's serve is the major factor in the game. I'm not even sure. I don't remember when I was a kid before the power serve hearing all this about breaking serve because that's really what it's all about now. I may, maybe they talked about it then, but I, I just don't remember hearing about break point until later. But uh, <clears throat> I'm not an expert on sport. If I ever write a book, James Finland's uh, Encyclopedia of Sport, I would suggest, it's not quite unlikely I'll write it, I would suggest look elsewhere. It's, uh, it's bound to be full of errors, assumptions, downright lies, because I know I'm not, I know very little about sport, and I'm too lazy to do research, so I can't believe I'm saying this, but if I do write it, don't buy it. My agent is going to kill me, my future agent, that is to say. They'll be asking me to erase this episode, but no, I'm leaving it in. I can just see the day when this agent turns around to me. Tell me, James, have you ever considered writing a sports book? I feel like you obviously haven't listened to uh, day 13 of my Camino on a Treadmill podcast. But that match, I as I say, I think it was just the final set I watched on my smartphone, not even on a big screen. But I remember realizing it was still very enjoyable without the, without the crowd. But tennis, never thought about this as much before as I thought about it then. Like compared to team sport, there was so much, you were just constantly under pressure. Here comes the cyclists, they're all going the wrong way. Buen Camino, get a bell. Um, what was I saying? Every time I see a cyclist, they put me off. So, oh yeah, tennis, constant tension. Whether you're serving or, what do they call it? Receiving. <laughs> Receiving sounds wrong. It sounds like receiving communion or something. See the way I always relate everything to something religious. I'm just looking after my audience. Sports and religion, get it all in there. Um, someday I'll have to do a whole episode on happy, clappy atheists because I've been thinking about that. Maybe I'll do a documentary in search of happy, clappy atheists. I know they do this kind of secular Sunday service in, well, London anyway, maybe other places, I'm sure, for atheists. Maybe, maybe that's happy clappy. Um, I'll, I'll find out. Either that or we'll never know. So, but yeah, I enjoyed that final set. And I remember at the end, Osaka, what's her first name? Is it Naomi? Oh, yeah. See, I'm, I'm bad. I don't know. 
I know Serena Williams because, yeah, she's been around longer. It's Naomi Osaka, isn't it? She lay down and she was so relieved and so happy to have won. And the camera was above her, you know, on a, you know, one of those ones. I don't think it's a crane. I think it's on a, or maybe it is, or it's on a, a line, whatever they call it. Anyway, point is the camera was above her and she lay down and her hair just kind of spread out behind her. It's just a beautiful image of joy. And uh, that's about all I can say about tennis right now. But I do miss, yeah, when I was a kid, like McEnroe and Bjorg, you would have these long rallies that went on forever. They happen, when they happen now, it's exciting because they're rare, but there was a lot more of them back then because there, was, uh, there were far fewer aces back when I was a kid. So, there you go. That's pretty much everything I know about tennis. Uh, there was one match when John, Con John Connor, what's that his name? Connor. You know, John Connor is the hero of Terminator movies. Jimmy, is it Connor or Connors? As I said, don't buy my encyclopedia of sport. Jimmy Connor. I'm gonna say he's American and then part of me is going, is he Canadian? But is there such a thing as famous Canadian tennis players? Hmm. I don't think so. Uh, there was one match where he was, he must have had food poisoning. He was getting the runs. I don't know, was there foul play at play, but there was foul something going on there. <laughs> and because he had the runs, poor guy, he had to take breaks and extra breaks. And there was only so many of those you can take, maybe three or something. And he had to forfeit the game. That's, what a way to lose a game. He was not happy, obviously. Just take some more water here. So, I tried to talk about Anthony. I'm still name checking him every so often, uh, but it keeps coming back to tennis, which is revealing considering I know not much more than nothing about tennis. But let's talk about watches a bit. So, Anthony and I agreed that a mechanical watch that costs considerably more than a quartz watch and tells worse time is, of course, the way to go. And if you don't get it, well, I can't help you there. If you get it, you get it. <laughs> anyway, so because I started looking at watches, you know what it's like, ordered a couple then got this new kinetic actually I need to keep it moving so it's it's like a cross between an automatic winding mechanical watch and a it's actually a quartz but it winds itself with you it charges instead of winding a spring your movement charges it I got that as my I think they call it a daily beater like it's just the kind of main watch to wear in various circumstances and then take out the fancy ones for occasions. Anyway, so I started getting all these videos because I looked at a few YouTube videos 
They keep suggesting them for me, and I'm looking at them. And there's some days I'm looking at them, going, I'm going, this is so nerdy. I mean, why am I looking at this? On the other hand, if you can't beat them, join them. And uh, I've never been mistaken for a jock or a stud. So maybe this whole uh, nerdy watch world is where I will, you know, rise to fame. And maybe watches will suddenly become a big thing and I'll have a TV show. You heard it here first. So, um, oh yeah. So there was, I was reading reviews of a watch I already bought. I haven't told my parents about this one because I only told them about the Tissot gentleman I bought and the Pulsar Kinetic, which wasn't too expensive. And then there was the Hamilton Khaki uh, Mechanical. The, yes, that was it, which was somewhere in between the two. Obviously, I'm a grown man. I don't have to tell my parents everything, but I, uh, I did let, well, I showed them the Tissot. And I thought I might as well just let them know how much I spent, because get it off my chest. Oh, look at this power station, is it? What is that? To the right. Ah, not very pretty looking. Anyway, <clears throat> onwards, Christian soldiers. So, um, where was I? Watches. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is the one my parents don't know about. <laughs> ah, like a good Irish Catholic, I feel I have to tell my mammy everything. Someday I'll tell her about the Hamilton. I'll break it to her gently. Look, the Tissot was 740 euros. Hamilton, 450. The Pulsar Kinetic, 70 pounds sterling. Let's say 80 euros or something. That's it, I'm done. Uh, no more until I make my first million. But I was looking up reviews of the Hamilton after watching it. Now that's... I would say that's particularly sad and maybe even disturbing. Like, I, I you know, I, I have it on my wrist. I can look at it, I can wind it up. It's a hand winder. And I realize now that lots of young people don't even know what that is. Well, Google it. I can wind it up, I can set the time, I can check how many seconds it's losing a day or gaining. And I can just put it on my wrist and look at it. <laughs> I can also tell the time with it, of course, so, you know, that's about it. But, actually, I have it on now. I have my kinetic on my right hand, which I should keep loose to let it charge. And I have my Hamilton on my left hand. Looks nice in this light. Mm. Got a grey NATO strap on it for watch fans. Anyway, the point I'm trying to get at before I lose all my three listeners is... Um, I actually got in an argument, uh, my first argument. Well, I made my first comment on a watch YouTube video. And then I got in my first, of course, what comes next? First argument. Here's a guy going the other way, Buen Camino. Um, let me take some water. Before I tell this story, which is quite emotional. Okay. Just going to look it up here on my 
phone. Tension is unbearable. Okay. How do I find it? Notifications. I can't really find it. Oh man. Hold on now. Subscriptions. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, okay. So let's have a look. So I'm looking at the video of the Hamilton Khaki Mechanical, which I've already purchased. And then there was more than one comment, wasn't there? I think the comment I replied to was part of a chain. I want to get them up. So some guy goes, oh yeah, I have the V1 of this watch, but I ended up selling it. I'd buy another in a heartbeat if, if it got a screw-down crown, but with push-pull and only 50 meters water resistance is such a huge letdown for a field slash GADA watch. I don't know if that's a typo. I can do literally none of the things I would want to do with this watch. I'm like, so it's only capable of 50 meters submersion. What's that, like 150 feet? Isn't that thereabouts? <laughs> and he's saying, I can literally do none of the things I want to with this watch. None of the things, like, does everything he wants to do involve being more than 50 meters underwater? More than 150 feet. I, I'm not great at conceptualizing space, but that sounds like a lot to me. I mean, well, I don't even want to be, have my, be below at all out of my depth. So I can do, I think, pretty much everything I want with this watch. Except tell a perfect time, of course, because it's mechanical. <laughs> anyway, interesting. This guy, I mean, also, if you want that, you get a diver's watch. I mean, you know. Anyway, onwards. Uh, that was a guy called Billich, Billich or something. Then the mad watch collector replied, I think, who, did he do the initial post? Anyway, he goes, I'm with you on this. Got the V1, version one, and I'm a bit baffled. Why all field watches don't have a screw down crown as standard? So the crown is a bit on the right of the watch that you use for setting the time, and on a mechanical watch you would use it for winding it up, winding up the spring. And if you have an auto winder, you can still usually wind it on the side, but it also winds by your movement. Okay, fascinating, I know. So, uh, yeah, he's saying the same thing. Then the next guy, oh, Billick again, Billich, Billick, B-I-L-L-I-C-H, I think. No, B-I-L-L-I-E-H, I don't know. I'm assuming it's a he. A field watch, by the way, is an army style watch, and this Hamilton khaki is based on a US military design from back in the days of Vietnam War. They, military, specified this design that was easy to read, and uh, it, then it was, Hamilton were one of the companies that produced it. In the old days, it was 34 millimeters. The new one is 38 millimeters, which the reissue, which still looks small by modern watch standards, but suits me. Oh, which reminds me, Anthony insulted my, uh, a certain, um, 
appendage of mine in talking about watches to be revealed. Let's just stick with this though. So, oh yeah, why doesn't it have a screw down crown? The crown is a bit you wind up. So, and some of them screw down, it can screw down so that it doesn't take in water and then you unscrew it before winding or setting the time. Okay, so, Bellier or whatever, this guy says, IGTW, that's, um, that's uh, in capitals. It's an acronym or whatever. IGTW, I, I don't know. I'm no good on these acronyms or emojis. I was using the eye rolling emoji for ages, not knowing it was an eye roll, because I just thought, well, because it's not animated, I just thought it was someone kind of looking up diagonally in that way that Che Guevara looks up in that famous photograph that you would have seen on posters and t-shirts. So I just thought it's kind of looking up and going, hmm? In fact, it's an eye roll. I was using that on Tinder conversations. Didn't go well. Mind you, since I've stopped using it, uh, it's not going much better, so. Let's not blame it on the emoji. So anyway, makes no So he goes, IGTW, it makes no sense. Zero exclamation mark. So I reply, I, can't, I have to admit, it's not a, it's not a unique point. I, I didn't dream this up myself, but I'd read other people talking about this. And they made this point. So I kind of rehashed their point. I guess I've bought the watch. I like it. I can do literally everything I want in it. Um, as long as I stay above 50 meters of water. So anyway, I reply and I do at Bill, I can't read this name, Billy, Billy was like, if I, oh no, if it had a screw down crown, the threading would get worn down because you'd have to unscrew it every day to wind it, exclamation mark, meaning I'm passionate about this and maybe a little angry. Well, I've just bought one of these, right? Of course, I'm gonna be defensive. I have one of these, brackets, black, close brackets, and love it. I don't know if I, do I love it? I, no exclamation mark there, I might say. Ah, I like it. Was it worth what I paid? Ah, we'll see. Uh, I, and I continue. Wearing it with a gray NATO strap at the moment. I'm not gonna explain NATO strap. You go Google it if you want. Uh, <laughs> I don't lead a very adventurous life, so I don't need 100 meters, W or exclamation point. Now there's me using an acronym. Is that an acronym? Anyway, water resistance. So exclamation mark. I'm being quite um, confrontational, as you can see. Um, so then I get a reply the next day from Billy or Billek, whatever, at James Finland. Well, it's an 80-hour PR now, ellipsis. Okay, PR, power reserve. So you wind it up, you get 80 hours before you need to wind it again. So followed by an ellipsis, although he's using four dots instead of three. Not proper house, that's not my house style. Anyway, 
Well, it's an 80-hour power reserve now, and I don't think that would wear, wear significantly over time, comma. And I'm not worried about cross-threading if you just turn it backwards until it catches. So I'll have to disagree with you. Uh, even so, it should have at least a 100 meters screw-down crown or not as a field watch. Okay. Anyway. Or not. So he's saying the field watch, which is a kind of military-style watch, should have 100 meters or screw-down crown. Okay. 100 meters? That's bloody deep. I mean, a diver's watch. I get it. Anyway. So I was reading it, and first of all, I was, oh, reply, considering I get no comments on my... Oh, we're in Pamplona, are we? No, we're not. Oh, my God. I'm... 32... Oh, an hour to... No. Mind you, you do walk a long way to through Pamplona to get to, or I did, to get to where I was staying. My God, I've got so sidetracked talking about, trying to talk about Anthony and then talking about watches. Now look at this pharmacy here. I think I went in there. I told you about, the, well, there was a pharmacy on my right as I came into Pamplona. And I told you about the story. It'd be interesting to see, is there a church coming up soon enough on the right? The story where my knees were killing me from the first two days. I was praying for a stick. Then I met Rita, the Canadian woman, who said, hi, James. I talked to her the day before, and then she gave me a stick. So that was my, what I call a mini miracle. And um, so he's following the arrows, I guess. Once you get into the center of Pamplona, they have the shells on the streets to follow as well. I remember crossing here, I think. And I think I did go into that pharmacy anyway, and I bought, you know, those knee supports for both knees, I think, those elasticated things you put on. I think I crossed the road and put them on at a bus stop near here, but in fairness, we're in the suburbs, everything looks a bit the same. So, and then I walked up further on the left across the road there. There's some place I went into had something to eat. Then further on the right, there was a church. And the mass was starting as I passed and I went in and kind of thought about this sense of the miracle. Okay, now hold on. He's going this way. Ah. I could say my story's falling apart, but in fairness, the exact directions are a blur. So, where was I? Let's quickly get back to the story. So I got the reply to the watch thing, and when he said, I am so I'm afraid I'll have to disagree with you, I could feel my pulse quickening slightly and me thinking, what am I gonna say back? And I was like, I'd have to actually, this is how ridiculous it is. I didn't even know why I was angry, other than I'm like, really, dude, you, you need, you can't do anything above 50 meters of water. I mean, that would be the only line of attack I could take. 
and then it could get really nasty. That's what they'd call an ad hominem attack, an attack on the, on the man, on the person. So I thought, I'll let it go. I'll be the bigger, I'll be the bigger man. I'll be the bigger watch nerd here and I'll let it go. The truth is, if I were to argue back other than an ad hominem attack, I'd have to, um, I would have to Google up, Google it to figure out why I'm annoyed with them and then retort with something else. The only thing I've got is, of course, I'm thinking about it now. Maybe I'll say it. No, I won't. Just like, hey, dude, so you're telling me you do everything. Everything you do is below 50. Oh, hold on. What's that place? 50 meters of water. It's not even that good a comeback, is it? I'll let it go. So, long walk through the suburbs of Pamplona. Although, he's got like an hour, you know, an hour to go nearly. Yeah, I guess it's, that makes sense. There's some big park I walked through as well in Pamplona. I'll get back to Anthony, so. What else have I to say about Anthony? So far I've talked more about tennis and watches, but I've name-checked him a few times. So, are you happy, Anthony? Uh, I've also let the world know that I only know three people in New York. See, I was, by mentioning two and then saying, and other people, ah, this is the church I went to, I think. Connected, or is it? Is it even a church? Connected to like a convent or a monastery or something on the right here. Uh, maybe it's not, I thought I saw a steeple there. Got these beautiful hanging, what are they called? It's like a weeping willow, is it? Beautiful trees there on the right. Pamplona is great, God. I have to go back there sometime. Isn't that where they do the running of the bulls, is it? Or is that all banned now? Um, yeah, this is the church I went into. It'd be amazing if BK went in, retraced my steps. And I do remember sitting in the church, just having a sense of the miraculous after getting the stick when I prayed for it. But it wasn't just that. As I say, real miracles occur in the heart. And it was more how I felt at the time. And then coming there, the mass started just as I arrived. And then a priest came up to me and chatted to me after, in Spanish. <laughs> I chatted back in English, we somehow communicated. Just one of those moments I remember. Let's take some more water here. I'll tell you an anecdote about Anthony. I'm discovering, well, I will say, he's possibly the most intelligent person I know. Uh, in case you think that's a compliment, uh, I think intelligence is overrated. <laughs> I would say that. As I've said before, I'm pretty sure my brain is more like a quantum com computer, and which people don't fully understand yet. And he would be more like, what would he be? 64-bit, you know, 16-core, I don't know, whatever the top Intel chip is, Xeon something or other, uh, i9, 
whatever. He's probably the top Intel chip, you know, 16 cores in a 64-bit computer with lots of RAM. Um, maybe running Arch Linux or something like that. Let's forget about Windows or anything like that. That's, that's, that's how I um, conceive of Anthony, which in fairness, you know, that's pretty smart. But I think I'm, when I think I, it, time shall prove that I'm actually a different type of intelligence, quantum intelligence, and that all my daft ideas that Anthony routinely knocks down with his limited binary intelligence will be revealed to be, you know, really spectacular. I'm not sure what uses there will be for it other than people will say, oh, it turned out James wasn't so dumb after all. That's, that's all I really want. So, anecdote involving Anthony. I was in a bar in Dublin on Haddington Road. I used to live in that area. And with Anthony and was it Dara? Or was it just me and Anthony? See, I'll get in trouble again for leaving people out. Anyway, so uh, the bar is the 51. It used to have another name, but everyone called it the 51. I think, it used to, and it used to be a snug. It's all changed now. They kind of made it more like a New York style bar. But we're in there in the old days. It was a nice bar, sitting in the snug, drinking Guinness back in the days when I, yeah, I used to like Guinness. And uh, there's two men beside us having a conversation. When, when, I, when I'm abroad and I tell people what I like about Ireland, I've got two stories about that. I'll tell them both now, because I'm quite critical of my own country in many ways, and I think that's healthy, to be honest. If you say everything in your country is great, is that even real patriotism? I don't know. I'm not sure it is. Anyway, so the two men are talking, and they say, uh, they're chatting away and we're chatting away. I remember actually that day, I think it was that day, I had put a bet on Tiger Woods. And this is back in 97, 90, between 97 and 99, or 2000 tops. And I had gone to a fortune teller recently, as you do. And she had told me, if you're feeling lucky, you know, in the next few days, put on, a, and you feel like placing a bet, do it. So I'm walking past the bookie office near my house, and I saw Tiger Woods' name, and this was before he was as huge as he became in some PGA tournament. It, it wasn't Augusta, I, I, I don't, PGA, that's as good as I got. And uh, he said, and I put in, I put 20 pounds or euros on him, whatever currency we were trading in back then, and a 120, so. I could actually probably, I could talk about Tiger Woods for a while, and I, even though I'm not into sports, I'll save it for tomorrow.
I do find those kind of driven personalities interesting. I find the fall from grace interesting. And I particularly found with him the reaction, the moralistic reaction, especially from those dudes in Atlanta. As far as I'm concerned, that was racism out and out. You know, whatever he did was between him and his wife. He didn't let me down or his fans down as far as I'm concerned. But I would say for those old white men in Atlanta and their green uh, jackets, I would say it really hurt them to pain them to see that jacket going on to a man of color. They'll never say it directly, but that's, I imagine at least some of them would feel like that. So, and certainly when you look at how they reacted to his um, marital troubles, they showed the true colors there. They had a press conference and said how he let us all down. I mean, ah, oh, just. So I was delighted for his comeback. And uh, sorry to hear about his recent troubles with his crash, but he's still alive and well. And I think maybe he'll have to let go of the golf thing and, you know, his son is doing well in golf anyway, and his daughter is a soccer player, I think. Maybe it's family time now. But, yeah, I know, you know, he didn't have a great media personality and all that, but he did a lot for people of color. And uh, I remember this place, do I? No, I'm thinking of a different city. I'm thinking of Burgos, where I saw a guy who looked like looked like, um, looked really like Steve Coogan, the actor. And I, I wanted to shout after him, Steve. But all I could think of was Alan, as an Alan Partridge, the comic character that he's famous for playing. And I was like, I'm not calling his, I'm not gonna say Alan. I was gonna shout Steve. Maybe it wasn't him, he looked really like him. But he was dressed, in that kind of European way. So maybe it wasn't, maybe it was just a, his doppelganger. We never know. But that was in Burgos or Leon. I don't think they ever went there with that, that show, The Trip, did they? Or whatever it was called. Of course, what I really should have shouted, any Alan Partridge fans would tell me, what I really should have shouted after him was, Dan, Dan. Dan, and I'll leave it at that. Those who know, know. Those who don't know, don't know. As, as a wise man once said, or a woman. Now, running out of time, so here's it back to the anecdote. So, oh, opticians. Okay, we're passing in opticians. Interesting. Was that a Santander bank? Perhaps. Um, getting closer to the center of Pamplona. This is more kind of modern buildings here. Oh, Pamplona is great though. Oh God, I have to go back there. Oh, I'm getting all nostalgic. Even though I, well, I spent, did I spend two nights? No, I just spent one night there. It was a good night though, a bit of socializing, it was great. 
So anyway, and I bought my sticks there. Oh yeah. So we're in the bar. Anthony, me, I think Dara was there. Forgive me, Dara, uh, uh, I'm not sure. And two men beside us in the snooker chatting away. Two men from, I don't know, they didn't have Dublin accents anyway, and they're chatting. And then one of them turns to us and he gesticulates towards his friend and says, here lads, this guy thinks a deer is a mammal. And I'm like thinking, a deer is a mammal. So I go, but a deer is a mammal. And the reason I guess Anthony is so prominent in my head in this story is because, you know, he replied with a really accurate definition of what a mammal is, which was something like an, an animal that gives birth to live young as opposed to eggs, right? Something like that. But when, I, when I'm away from Ireland and I think of things I like about it, it's just the fact that you could have that kind of obscure conversation with complete strangers. I mean, I think I've had that in London, you know, with kind of the old Cockney types. They're good raconteurs. I've, I think I've had it in New York, in fairness, but I don't know. There's something so Irish about that to me. And, uh, you know, in New York when I'm visiting Serena or whatever, I've had sometimes conversations with strangers. Um, like, Roger Federer, I think, sort of put it into our conversation once. And uh, Serena said, oh, do you know Roger? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of him. I was a bit cool with Roger because we, I was having a deep conversation with Serena and I thought he was a bit rude to interrupt like that. And then, oh, yeah, Anthony. I remember it was Anthony kept phoning me. He was trying to meet up with me while I was over. And he, he, he just kept trying. I was there talking to Serena. I told him I was in New York, but I mightn't have time to visit him. And I said, look, I'm meeting Serena Williams. We have, we're catching up. Haven't seen each other in a while. Um, just, you know, uh, I'll call you after, I said. And I, I'm not sure I can meet. Um, so, and he just kept ringing kept calling and so I was so annoyed with him after that that I actually didn't I was going to try and meet him that evening but I just I, I turned my phone on mute and I said you've crossed I texted him said you've crossed the line Anthony please leave me alone we since we've made up since but um, yeah he, he can be a bit needy like that you know a bit needy I, I think I think he's improved Although, when he made the comment about me not mentioning him in his podcast, I thought, here we go again. So, I hope you're happy now, Anthony. We're mentioning you, your name over and over. Now, let me see. You can hear school kids playing. Isn't that lovely sound? Oh, that's oh, the world over. It's kind of the same sound. Um, what else was I going to say about Anthony? Amusing anecdotes. So there was 
that. Oh, well, I have another amusing anecdote about Ireland. Things I think about fondly about Ireland when I'm away. And uh, some of the things I like reminds me of a review of a Jean Vigo film, Zero de Conduit, I think, is one of his early films, where the reviewer said sometimes the flaws of the film are also the good things about it. The phrase it a bit better than that. Sometimes I feel like that about Ireland. So I was working with the film studio, uh, Roger Corman, Concord Film Studio, out in, in uh, Connemara, the west of Ireland. First film job, well, second film job I had. And uh, I was, um, we had to drive into town to collect rushes, i.e. Uh, tapes from London. The films were shot on 35mm, sent to London for developing, transferred to video, and then shipped. We would collect them at the train station, usually. So I'm phoning the train station to see has our package arrived. And of course, they don't answer the phone. And I'm like, okay, I'll drive in anyway. Now, I can't remember if the package was there or not. I think it was, or else I would have been really angry. And I, uh, so I drove in and I collected the package, but I was kind of annoyed, you know? And I see a sign. This was in the 90s, in the late 90s. There's a sign saying, this is probably when Ireland was changing a bit, trying to be a bit more organized. And of course, the train station would be Irish Rail, which was, and still is, I think, publicly owned, not a private company. Oh, here we've got the shells on the road, telling him which way to go, and the base of the shell points in the direction he should go. So, sometimes in Pamplona, I remember walking, looking around as people would point to, to tell you the way to go, the locals, because they all know the way. So uh, there's a sign in the train station, the package department saying, uh, we, we want to improve our service to you. Um, you know, could you f please fill out the form below and tell us how we can improve and changes we can make so we can offer you a better service? I mean, when I grew up in Ireland, you never saw things like that. So it's there and there's an arrow pointing down to where the leaflets are or where the leaflets should be. But there were no leaflets. <laughs> so typical. And I was still kind of quietly fuming and I, I really wanted to fill out a leaflet. And my suggestion was going to be quite simple. Answer the effing phone. That's all I wanted to put on it. I thought it was a reasonable suggestion. I thought it could improve things dramatically if they just answered the phone. I know, crazy, right? So, of course, there were no leaflets. So I said to one of the men there, um, where are the leaflets? Can I get a leaflet, please? And he just kind of rolled his eyes upward. I would, if I was sending this in a text, I would use, correctly use the Buen Camino, the eye roll emoji for this. He rolled his eyes heavenward and said, all right, those, we don't bother with them. And uh, immediately I wasn't angry anymore. I just, it just amused me so much. I laughed and I tell that story about Ireland because since then we got a lot more organized and 
That was about the start of what we call the Celtic Tiger and our economy boomed and people went off on skiing holidays and everything, but I think, let me put my speed up a little bit to try and just get some hard points going here after four more days. I think um, people say we lost a little of our soul there, and I think we did, absolutely. You know, we gained things as well. I'd like to think Ireland is a little less corrupt than it was in the 80s. Though, there's always, for this politics, there's always some degree of corruption or influence or, what's it, you know, sons and daughters of well-to-do people always getting the leg up. You'll always have a bit of that, but I think we're a little bit less corrupt. But it's those certain things what you could call flaws that are part of what I like. Like there's a thing, in, there used to be a thing anyway. You know, they'd hold the train for you if you were, if you were running up to catch the train, they'd hold it for you, let you on, and then the train would run a little late. Happens less frequently now, I imagine, in Ireland. So on the one hand, we're more organized, but, but then the old way, it was like an Irish solution for an Irish problem that they'd hold the train for you to let you catch it. And I remember once getting a train in Athen Rye in Galway. <laughs> this is <laughs> definitely inefficient. And the guy took forever. Someone in front of me was getting some complex ticket or some, I don't know if they had a, an interrail ticket, but he was taking forever to fill out the paperwork and the train was outside. And I, or the, and or the person in front of me, either missed it or nearly missed it. Um, Oh, another good one, since we're on train anecdotes. Anthony, that's all about you today. Hope you're happy. Uh, let me see, how am I doing time-wise? Three, about two minutes. So, I'm on a train to Dublin. It's around the time I was making my, my short film, Irreville. I was going up for auditions, I think. And I, uh, the train breaks down somewhere in the middle of Ireland. And so they're waiting to organize another train or a bus or something for us. But they're kind of not really giving us the information and nobody knows what's happening. There was an irate Englishman in front of me who maybe was used to things being a bit more organised. And he's saying to the Irish rail guy, you know, oh yes, well, I have a meeting to get to it, but you know, uh, what's the situation? And the Irish rail man was saying to him, uh, don't worry, we'll, 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 we'll get you there, we'll get you there. Uh, he just kept repeating that, we'll get you there. And the Englishman was saying, yes, I know you would get me there, but when? <laughs> Which was kind of what I was thinking too. But obviously, you know, we got there in the end. That could have been the motto for, um, let me put my incline down, Erin Road Erin, or Irish Rail. We'll get you there. Just don't ask when. No. Efficiency has improved, but there's just, you know, the fact that Ireland is a former colony. In former colonies, there's always that little bit of um, uh, trying to get one up on the man or cute tourism, we call it here. I think all former colonies have a bit of that. We're probably coming into our own now and being a bit more organized. It's not a bad thing, but. Ah, there's a few things I miss about the old Ireland and lots of things I don't miss. Oh, I realise now 
that. How many minutes are left? Oh, there's half an hour left. No, I'm gonna wrap up now. And then I'll probably do the half hour tomorrow and then maybe I'll just do that this evening on its own. We'll see. Or I'll do it with the half hour of the next day. I'm not doing a one and a half hour now. That's too much for anyone to listen to of me. So I've just gone over for the four hour mark in the video, day three. And I'm going to stop and uh, say to you all, uh, I'm trying to stop the video. Oh no, I moved it. Great. Oh my God, I'm making total mess. Okay, over and out. Uh, God bless, Buen Camino. Hope you're happy, Anthony. And uh, see you soon. Thank you.